0: Hi, welcome to the On Becoming Educated podcast, where I, Pa Vu, will share my experience as a first-generation PhD student. Before I get started with today's topic, can I ask you for a favor? Can I ask you to share this podcast with someone who you think might enjoy it? Or might find some use out of it. I mean, I don't want people to feel like they have to listen to this podcast. But I do want to make sure that it gets to the ears of the people who need it. When I created this, I didn't know if anyone would listen to it at all, actually. All I knew was that I wanted to document my journey. And I wanted this documentation to be helpful to people. So if you've enjoyed it, or if you found it helpful please consider sharing it with someone. I also want to give a shout out to two listeners who I had the wonderful opportunity to speak to a couple of weeks ago, Justin and Diana. I didn't expect to hear from them. And when I did, it was truly an inspiring experience. I know they will touch so many lives with their big hearts and their even bigger passions. If you have questions or if you would like to reach out to me, you can email me at paw at com. I'm also on Instagram at on becoming educated. And I'm also on Facebook as well. I actually would love to hear from you. It's been an interesting experience moving to Berkeley and to living here by myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm not living I'm completely alone. I have roommates, but um, it's been quite a change to move away from my family and friends and the community that I've always known and to, in a way, start a new chapter of my life with a new surrounding and with new f- friends, or at least making new friends. Um, I'm trying to make new friends through Zoom. <laughs> um, so it's, it's always really nice to hear from people, and especially people who... Um, have found the podcast helpful. I find that while I'm podcasting, I'm kind of having a conversation with myself or it's not. I wouldn't even call it a conversation. I'm just kind of talking into the mic. So it would be nice to have a conversation to hear something from out there <laughs> um, where my podcast is hopefully um, reaching people. Lastly, I do want to let you know that this episode has some strange noise, <laughs> some strange scratchy noises. I am having some issues with my recording program, so if any of you are familiar with GarageBand, please send help. <laughs> Bear with me for the time being, and I'm going to try my darnest to figure this out before the next episode. And here's today's show. As a Hmong woman who has been minoritized, othered, and erased, I feel a responsibility to my people to pursue a PhD in education. I came to the US when I was five years old, and like many immigrants, learned English as a survival language. I learned it so well. That it became my first language, relegating my native language, Hmong, to a trick I sometimes pulled out of my pocket. Feeling this loss and the constant threat of erasure at a young age, I taught myself how to write in Hmong, and within two weeks, memorized 56 consonants, 13 vowels, and 8 tones. In pursuing a PhD, I hope to preserve the Hmong language and culture, investigate the role heritage language plays in students' lives, and transform educational research by disrupting colonial systems of power. My first taste of research was as an undergraduate at CSU Chico, where I studied English and linguistics. I collected, measured, and evaluated a native Hmong speaker's production of the English vowels /ɑ/ as in got and uh as in foot. This study investigated and confirmed the critical period hypothesis, and it led to an award as the most outstanding linguistics student upon my graduation in 2008. I was admitted that same year to the PhD program in education at UC Santa Barbara, where I completed a master's thesis titled Language and Identity, Constructing and Performing Hmong Ethnic Identity in a Hmong Student Organization. Students in my study used the Hmong language to strategically perform their Hmong ethnic identity and their cultural knowledge. Through a community of practice, they maintained their identity and slowed down language loss. Although I left the PhD program for personal reasons, the findings in my thesis inspired my current work with Hmong students at CSU Chico. Drawing from Lev Vygotsky's work on social constructivism and combining it with culturally relevant and responsive pedagogy I created a 10-part writing workshop that allows students to practice, challenge, and co-create Hmong language and identity. We read and discuss material from Hmong writers of all genres, and through the discussion and writing process, create a more connected and empowered linguistic community. Moving forward... I want to continue the work I started in my master's thesis through a renewed focus on language ideology, policy, and discursive practices. The Hmong people have a rich oral tradition which we use to transmit collective memory and intangible cultural heritage. But fewer and fewer Hmong children born in the U.S. are speaking Hmong. Does this mean Hmong people are going through a language and culture shift? How might such a change affect the way Hmong people construct and understand their worlds? And consequently, what implications does this have for Hmong students? Lastly, to disrupt systems of power created by colonization, I want to produce research that will make a difference for the Hmong community. My people did not have a common writing system until the 1950s, So most studies on us have been conducted by Western researchers and framed in Orientalism. I want to pivot the research from an othering lens to an empowering lens and to offer research on Hmong as integral to the advancement of education in the U.S. UC Berkeley is an ideal location for research with the Hmong people as it is within driving distance of several Hmong communities. I grew up in Northern California and feel that my research should focus on and make a difference in this community. Furthermore, UC Berkeley's commitment to diversity, innovation, and answering difficult questions makes it a perfect training ground for me to gain the knowledge and tools I need to transform educational spaces. If admitted, I would like to work with Dr. X or Dr. Y. I believe my experience and research goals would complement their work with language, literacy, and English language learners. So, that was my statement of purpose, minus some names, and it's just over 600 words. When I first wrote it, it was closer to a thousand words because I really wanted to tell the story of what was motivating me to go back to school. But due to strict requirements from the different programs, I had to really cut it down to just the most essential parts. I'm sharing my statement of purpose with you and hope that it'll help you craft your own if you are applying to grad school. There are so many sample statements of purpose online. So if you are applying to a program that isn't in education, you can definitely go online and search for a statement of purpose that is more aligned with your specific program. Mine is very education-focused and language-focused because that's kind of what I want to study. The question I want to try and address today is, how do you write a statement of purpose? But before I go into this further, I think it's important to first discuss what a statement of purpose is. As I mentioned in episode 19, some programs and schools might use statement of purpose and personal statement interchangeably. But from my experience, there is a difference. A Statement of Purpose is an essay about how you became interested in the line of research you wish to pursue. It's also about your relevant experience and your fit with the program and or school. It should be written in a formal academic tone and it should identify the faculty members or professors you'd like to work with. Next week, or on the next episode, I'll talk more about the personal statement and what that should do. But continuing on with the statement of purpose, here's what it can say about you. Can you write in a formal academic tone? Can you write effectively and concisely? Have you thought deeply about your research, and is it already in progress in some shape or form? Did you do a master's thesis or a senior thesis on a similar topic? Did you participate in a research project with a professor as an undergrad? Did your professional work inspire your current research questions? Next, have you looked into your program and their faculty? Usually, you can find faculty bios on their website, and most bios will say whether or not they are accepting new students as advisees. Lastly, have you considered how you will fit into their program? So these are just some of the things I think that a statement of purpose tells a selection committee about you and your research. As you can see, though, to write a statement of purpose, you have to have done a lot of reflection. If you haven't reflected on any of these things yet, I encourage you to listen to episode three and episode 11, where I talk about why I'm going back to grad school, and what I want to study. I think these episodes would be helpful to you in reflecting on your own reasons for going back to grad school and also on the field of research that you would like to pursue. I'll go ahead and link these episodes in the show notes. Most universities will give you very similar directions. For example... An X amount of words tell us about what motivated you to pursue graduate study, include your field of study, background, and experiences, and future goals. So that's just a prompt that I made up. <laughs> but some uh, universities, some programs may have more guiding questions, and some may want you to include other specifics, such as languages you speak and maybe even membership in different professional organizations. There are many ways to approach a statement of purpose because when it comes down to it, it's really just an essay. So you might approach it the way that you've always approached essays, but for those of you who are not sure how to approach it, I completely understand. And, you know, sometimes it's so much harder to write about yourself than to write about anything else. Because to write about yourself is to be very vulnerable. And that can be a little scary. So you might sense some hesitancy when you start your statement of purpose just because this essay is asking you to really dig deep. And, you know, some things that are deep are kind of painful to reflect upon. So I totally understand. Today, though, I want to share with you... If you are unsure of how to start this statement of purpose, I want to share with you the steps that I took to write my own statement of purpose. If you are listening to this episode while you're driving or um, while you're doing something, you don't need to stop and write these things down because you can visit my website and I will have these steps written um, on the specific episodes page. So step one, and this step might come as some, some of you might thinking, well, duh, <laughs> but it's really important. Step one is to read the directions. Read them closely because you don't want to miss anything. I usually just copy and paste the directions right onto the Google Doc or Microsoft Word document that I'm using and then highlight all the things they want me to cover so that I don't miss anything. Step two, if you don't even know what to start writing about or how to start because you're kind of overwhelmed by the idea of writing a statement of purpose itself, I would recommend that you go online and see if there are any sample statements of purpose from that exact university and that exact program. And if they don't have any, then i recommend taking a look at a few different sample statements of purpose from different universities, so that you get a sense of how a statement of purpose is supposed to look like and sound like. Yes, I said look like because there's a visual aspect to writing, so you want to be able to grasp that too, and to be able to do that in your own statement of purpose. Step three. What you want to do is use a strategy that my tutors used at the writing center where I used to work. It's called reverse outlining. And it's exactly what it sounds like. When you start an essay, one strategy is to start with an outline and then you kind of go by the outline and write the essay. Well, for this activity, you already have the essay. You have multiple essays, actually. They're the statements of purpose that you found online. So using these essays, you're going to create an outline, thus reverse outlining. I would put this right into your Microsoft Word or Google Doc. When I was doing this in preparation to write my statement of purpose, here's what I found I needed to include. So this basically came from me doing several different reverse outlines of several different statements of purpose that I found online. A one-paragraph introduction that includes why you want to go back to grad school. And this sometimes kind of bleeds into the second paragraph. The body of the essay should include your interests and how you developed them your research experience, your work experience, and the professor or professors you want to work with and why you want to work with them. And then the closing paragraph should include how you will fit into their program and any closing remarks that you want to make. The last thing that I will say about this part of um, the step is that Remember that an outline is a guide, not a rule book, so you can mix things up a little as long as your essay has a natural flow and is written well. Step number four, using this generic outline, write your draft. At this point, don't worry about word count, just write. If you have a hard time with how to word things, how to transition ideas, or how to introduce a topic, go back to those sample statements of purpose you looked at before. As long as you're not copying them, because that's plagiarism, which is copying and using someone else's work and claiming it as your own, then it's okay to look at examples so that you can learn from them. That's how we all learned how to write in the first place. We looked at examples sentences, we read books, and we practiced the art of writing. Based on my experience working with writers, the introduction, conclusion, and the transitioning between ideas and making sure each paragraph or idea flows naturally into the next paragraph or idea are the most challenging for people to write. So, I've included some tools in the show notes that might be helpful to you. So, check that out when um, you're done listening to the episode. Step five clean up your essay and use a writing center if you have one at your university or your college. If you aren't a student and don't have a writing center, ask a friend, sibling, or coworker to read through it for you or with you. At this stage, you want to look at the big ideas in your writing. Do they make sense? Did you answer all the questions? Does it flow? Did you go on a tangent and, about something and maybe need to cut back a little bit? Did you write 500 words over what they asked for? This would be the time to see where you could trim and where you could combine ideas to make sure that you're meeting the word count. Step number six, have a mentor, someone who might be an expert in the field, and preferably one of the people writing your letters of recommendation, read through it and give you feedback. Sometimes you want to ask a few different people. I asked two different people with two very different perspectives um, to read my statement of purpose. When you get your statement of purpose back, read their comments carefully and do another round of cleanup. Make sure there are no misspellings or grammatical errors and make sure your word count is as close as you could get to what the school or the program wants. Step number seven, and this is the last step. Set your statement of purpose aside for a week or two, a few days at the very least, and then come back to it to clean it up some more until you feel really good about it. And this is something that's really important to do in all your writing if you have the time to step away from the writing because sometimes we're so lost in the writing that we can't really look at it objectively. So stepping away from the writing will give you time, will give your mind some space to reset so that when you get back to the writing, you can really look at it from almost a different set of eyes. And then ask yourself this question, does this essay represent me? And if you're like, yes, it it does, then you're pretty much done. I mean, you can do another round of edits if you want, but um, you're pretty much done. I do want to say that writing is something that sometimes may seem like it can never quite be done. What I mean by that is that you could always improve your writing and you could always change a little thing here and there and make it better and better, trying to reach perfection. From my experience, however, it's, perfection is kind of a moving horizon, so you'll never quite reach it. At some point, you'll need to stop because you need to turn in your statement of purpose anyway. <laughs> so just remember to ask yourself, does this essay represent me? I hope that you have found this episode helpful it's mid-september so college application season is just around the corner make sure you give yourself enough time to do everything that you need to do get organized use a spreadsheet like the one i had in the show notes for episode 19 build a support network and use them often don't do it alone Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast listening platform of your choice to be notified when new episodes are up. If you would like to support this podcast, a rating and review would go a long way. Podcasts with ratings and reviews are more likely to be found by listeners. So I would very much appreciate it if you can take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast. If you would like to make a donation to help me run this podcast, you can do so at ko-fi.com onbecomingeducated. That's ko-fi.com slash onbecomingeducated. Every dollar helps. Follow me on Instagram at bypavu and the podcast at onbecomingeducated. Lastly, to access transcripts and submit listener questions, go to www.onbecomingeducated.com.